Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. Jesus says this, talking about money. He says, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and do what? Yeah, and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it, to finish it. Now, with that in mind, listen to this passage, 1 Corinthians 14. I love this verse. It says, God is not a God of disorder, but of what? But of peace. Folks, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, so you can grab a seat at all of our campuses, and I want to set things up by sharing this with you. Back in 2012, Rhonda and I moved out of the house here in Miami that we had lived in for 16 years. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I loved our old house for a lot of reasons. But one reason I loved it was because of the order that I had there with my tools. And by that, I mean I had all of my tools in order inside my toolbox in my garage. And I knew exactly what tools I had, how many tools I had, and exactly where each one of them was located. And so if anything was broken in our house, I could, could quickly locate that tool and be able to work on it, be able to fix it. By the way, tools are necessary, aren't they? Turn to your neighbor and say, tools are necessary. Yeah, yeah, tools are necessary because they're the answer to all things broken. In other words, if it's broke, a tool's the answer to it. A tool can fix it. Now, I want you to stay with me because in that move from our old house to the house we're in now, somewhere in that move, all of my tools got taken out of the toolbox. I don't know why, and I don't even know where the toolbox went. But all of my tools got taken out of the toolbox, and inside our garage, they just threw all of my tools onto this shelf. They just strewn onto the shelf. And they are random, they are scattered, they are cluttered, and now my tools are not in order, my tools are in disorder. And so consequently, folks, anytime now Rhonda tells me something is broken, I immediately just lose it. I mean, I, I just get frustrated before I even get started because I know, I know, I know I'm going to spend an hour just trying to find the tool that I'm looking for. I mean, I, and I don't even know if I got the tool anymore. And so, you know, I just get frustrated before I get even started. Rhonda will hear me out there talking, you know, I can't anything around here. I just get so angry. Anybody can relate to that? Yeah, yeah, some of you can. But let me tell you, this series simplified. Here's what it's done. It's clarified to me what I've got to do with my tool situation. I've got to bring order to the disorder. 
And so here's what I'm going to do. As soon as I can, I'm going to buy me a new toolbox. How about that? You like that? Yeah, and, and, and I'm going to put all of my tools in order in my toolbox so that I know exactly what tools I have, how many tools I have. Don't you love that? And exactly where my tools are located. You see, here's what I'm going to do, folks. I'm going to bring order to the disorder. Because here's what I know and here's what you know. Disorder brings anxiety, doesn't it? See, see this, that brings the anxiety just looking at it, doesn't it? Disorder brings anxiety, but order brings peace of mind. See, with that in mind, listen to what the text says again. God is not a God of disorder, but a God of what? A God of peace. Don't you love that? Now, folks, let me, let me turn a corner and bring that all over to this series called Simplify. Because what an image of our lives, and by that I mean just like our, my toolbox can become cluttered and, and bring me anxiety and frustrate me, just like that our lives can get disordered, they can get cluttered. Carlos talked last weekend about, about our sketch. By the way, did he do a great job? Oh, my soul. He talked last weekend about, about our schedules getting cluttered and the anxiety that that brings us. But, folks, nowhere do we feel anxiety anymore than when our money is out of order, when our money Our finances are cluttered, and we don't know what we've got. We don't know what's going on. Because when that happens, when our finances get out of order, it not only gives us personal anxiety, it it brings anxiety to our family. It brings anxiety to our marriage. And I don't even have to tell you, you know this. Disordered money can tear a marriage, can tear a family to pieces. We've seen it. We know it. And so here's my proposition today. This is what I want us all to walk out the door with. God wants to help us bring order to our finances because ordered finances brings financial peace of mind. So let me say that again. God wants to help you. God wants to help me to bring order to our finances because ordered finances brings us financial peace of mind. Now, you might be saying, well, Rick... How could God possibly help us? You don't know how cluttered and how scattered and how random our finances are. We pay our bills every month just by the seat of our pants. It's just, we're just winging it every month. We don't know what the score is. Well, we're going to find out how God can help us. Because in Luke chapter 14, you're going to see this. Jesus simplifies our money, our finances, and helps us bring order to our money, to our finances, to our bills. So are you ready to learn from Jesus about bringing order? Everybody ready? At all of our campuses, you ready? By the way, how many of you have your listening guides? Yeah, again, you're going to need to lean into this, and, and I hope you will take notes on this. This might be my longest listening guide ever. But I'm hoping you can take this, and if you already know how to do this, I hope you can help pass this along to your kids, to your teenagers, so that they can bring order 
to their finances. All right, with that in mind, here we go. Here's what we need to know about money that Jesus teaches us. Number one, if you're filling in the blank, money is necessary. Yeah, we said tools are necessary. Turn to your neighbor and say, money's necessary. (laughs) And all God's people said, amen to that. Yeah, with that in mind, let's pick it up. Watch what Jesus says. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down, watch this, and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, to complete it. Now, stop right there. Let me give you the backdrop, the context in which Jesus is speaking these words. To begin with, Jesus is talking here about following him. And he says to the crowd, and he says to us, if you want to follow me, you better count the cost. Because it will cost you to follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. But what I love is as he talks about that, Jesus compares counting the cost of following him, he compares it to counting the cost of your bills. Counting up the cost to see if you've got enough financially to pay your bills. So folks, this is so simple. Jesus gives us some simple principles of managing our money. He talks about sitting down, about counting how much you've got coming in, counting how much you've got going out, seeing if there's margin between those two numbers. Again, this is very, very simple ways to manage our money, to bring order to our money. You see, folks, here's what you need to understand. God spends a lot of ink in the Bible helping us figure out how to manage our money. Let me say that again. God spends a lot of ink in the Word of God helping us figure out, sort out how to manage money. Everybody say money. Everybody say money. Now, let me tell you why God spends so much ink trying to help you and me figure out how to manage our money. Here's why. Write this down as A. This is so important. Money. Money is the answer to all things. Money is the answer to everything. Now, some of you are going, what? Some of you are going, oh, no, Rick, have you become deluded by our money-hungry world? Now you're thinking money is the answer to everything? Oh, no, Rick, have you been listening to those preachers on TV, you know, the, the prosperity gospel? Do you now believe that God wants us all to be rich? Or you believe money's, you know, the answer to, to, to all of our problems? Is that what you think? Is that what you believe, Rick? Absolutely not. But let me tell you this. I do believe in the wisdom of Solomon. How many of you know who Solomon is in the Bible? Yeah, Solomon was known as the wisest man who ever lived, second only to Jesus. He wrote the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book of wisdom. He wrote the Song of Solomon, which is a book of wisdom and romance. So he's known as the wisest man who ever lived, second only to Jesus. But check this out. Solomon was also known for saying things in in his wisdom books, for saying things that we all know are true. 
but we wouldn't say it out loud. Solomon was known for saying things that we all know is, is right, we know it's correct, but we would never say it in church. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Listen to Ecclesiastes 10. Solomon says, a feast is made for laughter. Now, we all know that one. You want to laugh, throw a party. Then he says, wine makes life merry. We kind of know that one. People who drink a little bit too much get a little too, laugh, too much laughter going. We, we, we all know that one, but watch this one. And money is the answer for what? Everything. Everything. Now, some of you, you read that and you think, Rick, that sounds like false doctrine. That sounds like false teaching. Right, but you have to understand, Solomon says, money is the answer to everything. Yeah, he's not saying money is the answer to happiness. He's not saying money is the answer to joy. He's not saying money is the answer to peace of mind. But he is saying money is the answer to a lot of things. In fact, I dare say 60% of the things you're praying for right now could be answered with a big fat check. Just saying. You see, money can't buy you love, but money can buy you a car. Money can buy gasoline for that car. Money can buy you a house. Money can buy you the power to power that house. Money can buy you a coat. In other words, if it's a thing, money can fix it. You see, for some of you, you don't, you don't need a miracle. You just need some money, right? You don't need for the skies to split. You're just like, I just need some money. (laughs) You see, but I don't have to tell you, God is not really in the business of floating money down from heaven, is he? Now, I'm not saying God doesn't give us money sometimes, and wow, and we're thankful when it just happens like that. But the norm is God just doesn't float money down out of heaven. But here's what God does do. Write this down as B. God tells us how to manage the money we already have. In other words, you know, if you're praying for God to increase your income, that's fine. But as you're doing that, you need to manage what God has already put in your hands. Let me show you what I mean. Watch, listen to the text again. For which of you, so Jesus is talking to you, he's talking to me. He says, for which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down, count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Which of you would do that? Now, folks, that's that's a rhetorical question. We know what a rhetorical question is. It's a question that we know has a common sense answer to it, right? Right? And so, so the common sense answer to that question is nobody with any common sense goes out to build a tower without first counting up if he's got enough to do that. Nobody with common sense goes out and takes out a mortgage on a house without first 
counting up to see if he's got enough money to do that. Nobody with common sense goes out and takes out a loan on a car without first counting up to see if he's got the money. Nobody goes out with common sense and starts buying a bunch of clothes and stuff like that without first counting up the cost. Nobody with common sense does that, but people do it all the time. We live in a culture that pushes that. So why do people do that? Why do we do that? Well, it's because people lack simple, common sense guidelines for money management. And listen, that's exactly what Jesus is doing in this passage. He's giving us simple, and we're going to look at them, common sense guidelines for managing his money. By the way, by the way, all your money It's not yours. It's not your money. It's God's money. The Bible says every dollar that you have in your pocketbook, in your wallet, that you have in the bank, it came from God and it belongs to God. You and me, we are not money owners. We are money managers. We are managing God's money, and God divvies it out as he wills, different amounts to different people, but you're, you're responsible to manage what he has given you, and here's why money has to be managed. Write this down as one and two. Jesus tells us, unmanaged money creates anxiety. You don't manage your money, it creates anxiety. Watch what he says. For which of you desiring to build a house, a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether, hmm, he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, You can see this. When he's laid the foundation, he has not enough to finish it. Now, folks, you can feel the angst in this. This guy starts building a house. He's laid the foundation, and he hasn't even counted up the cost. He doesn't know whether he's got enough or not. He he better do some fast counting, and he's not going to know. He's going to be like me, you know, wondering with all of these tools, do I have the right tools to do this? I've already started this project Rhonda wants me to do, but do I have enough tools to do it? Folks, what a picture of what happens when we don't manage our money. We don't know if we can finish. We don't know where we stand financially. And we feel the anxiety when we step out and purchase things not knowing if we can afford it. Brings anxiety. Write this down as number two. Unmanaged money brings shame. Brings shame. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, you can see this coming, and he's not able to finish, all who see it begin to do what? They're mocking this guy. And they say, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Doesn't our culture love to mock? Don't they? Our culture, culture loves to shame people. 
the news, the media, people, gossip, they love it. And, and here's what the culture does. The culture pushes you and me to take everything to the very limit, right to where we're about to collapse financially. They push us that way with ads and advertisements and media, max it out. And then when you max it out and go bankrupt or foreclose, they mock you. Why do we want to fall into that trap? Why do we want to jump on that wagon when it's going over the hill? Don't do it. Here's why. Write this down as number two. For God's people, here's what we need to know. Our God is a God of what? He's a God of order. In fact, listen to the text again. God is not, here's the antithesis, God is not a God of disorder. You say, meaning what? Well, that, that, that term disorder, very explicit term. It's, it's translated from the Greek word. I always tell you, New Testament Bible was originally written in what? Koine. Koine Greek and then translated to English, Spanish, French. You all get that. Well, this word disorder is from the, from the compound Greek word akathistomi. Everybody say ah. ah. Everybody say ah. Because that's important. Now everybody say, kathistomi. Yeah, tongue twister. Kathistomi. Great. Here's what kathistomi means. Kathistomi means to put things in order. It means to separate things. This goes over here. That goes over there. This stays in here. It means to separate things. This goes over here. This goes over there so that there's order. Now, the prefix ah, ah, kathistomy, the prefix ah negates what follows in the Greek. So ah, kathistomy means not to have order. It means not to separate things. Everything just gets cluttered together. Everything just gets strewn together. And, and, and you don't know where things are. It's all cluttered. It's all confusion. Again, what an image of a lot of people's finances. They haven't separated it out. They haven't added it up. It's just all cluttered all together, and they wonder why they sit around rubbing their forehead, frowning, confused, and worried. The Bible says God is not a God of akathistomy. It's not the way he operates. I love the way the old King James puts it. It says, God is not the author of confusion. Wow. It's not our God. And so here's what we need to know. Write this down as A and B. God can help you bring order to your finances. God can help you do like this with your money. I need to separate all this out. This goes over here. This goes over there. This get, gets paid then, this gets paid with that much, this gets paid with this much, this gets paid with, here's what I have left over. You see, because when you bring order, write this down as B, order brings what? Order brings what? Peace of mind. Our God is not a God of disorder, but of what? Peace. You see, folks, everybody heads up. When things get organized, things get simplified. And when things get simplified, you're no longer stressed out. You have peace of mind. So I love it. Here's what Jesus does. 
Jesus gives us two actions to start bringing order to our finances. Now, I got to tell you, these two actions that I'm going to give you in C and D, they're complicated. Okay? We've talked about simplified, but, but what I'm about to share with you gets a, gets a little bit complicated. So, write this down as C. First, What do you do? Sit down. It's not complicated, is it? Watch what he says. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower, build a house, buy a car, buy a bunch of new clothes, does not first what? Sit down. (laughs) Folks, there, there 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 is resolution in those words. Here is a guy who's saying to himself, I got to stop everything. Come on. I, I got I to hit the pause button, and, and I've got to sit down in my chair, and I've got to figure out my finances. I've got to sort out my, my financial situation. You know, it's so funny to sit down. Years ago, I had, when I was in graduate school, I had, I had a, a preaching class sermon preparation, and the, the teacher for that class was a doctoral program, was John MacArthur. How many of you know that name? Yeah, he's a famous preacher. I'll never forget what he said to us one time. He was in the class. We were sitting there. He said, gentlemen, he said, sermon preparation is, is hard work. And this is what he said. He said, you have got to sit down in your chair and stay there until the hard work gets done. That's the idea here of this passage. When your finances are cluttered and disordered, listen, you have got to sit down and you have got to stay there until the hard work gets done. You've got to add it up. You've got to to work it. God loves to see us working. And you've got to work it till it's worked out. Work it. Till you work it out. Everybody say work it. it. Till you work it out. out. Everybody say work it. it. Yeah, till you what? Till you work it out. Stay in your chair. Do the hard work. Get it done. Jesus is so simple here. This is not not difficult. Then, after that, write this down as D. Next, create a what? Budget. Wow, so simple. You say, what's a budget? We know what a budget is. A budget is a written account of your finances. It's just writing down what's coming in, what's going out, how much is left over. You see, here's what a budget does. A budget tells you where you are financially. See, one of the reasons some people can't get out of financial distress is they don't even know where they are financially. How many of you have ever been in a hotel and you go into the room and on the back of the door there's a map of the hotel? And it says, in case of a fire... Here's the escape route. Here's the escape door. But then there's a big fat dot that says, you are here. Why? Because you need to know where you are in relation to the escape door so you can get out. You can know where the escape hatch is, but if you don't know where you are, you won't know how to get to that escape hatch. Some of you don't know where you are financially. you got to know where you are. I love what God said to Adam. Adam, where are you? He wasn't saying that because God didn't know where he was. Adam, 
was in trouble. <laughs> and God was trying to help him. And the first thing Adam needed to know was, where, are you? where are you, Adam? God is saying to you, you need to figure out where you are financially. So how do you do that? I love it. Jesus makes it simple. Here we go. Write this down as little number one. What do you do? Count your costs. This is so common sense. Watch what he says. For which one of you, this is rhetorical, for which one of you desiring to build a house, desiring to buy a car, desiring to buy new clothes, whatever, does not first sit down and what? Count the cost. Folks, this is so simple, a caveman can do it. This is Geico. Everybody say, a caveman can do this. Yeah, Jesus is saying, get out the calculator and count up your expenses. And this is not, ladies, getting your hair done. That's a luxury. Guys, this is not going out and buying a new suit, new, new shoes, whatever. That's a luxury. These are fixed costs that you've got to pay. Count them up. You know, back, back in the day, I used to do some financial counseling here at the church. Can't anymore, heart attack, cancer, too many of y'all can't do it anymore. But what I did, I remember I would be talking to people, I'd say, look at their, their finances, I'd say, now how, much, how much do you owe on that? What's your payment? Oh, we don't know, Pastor, we're just broke. <laughs> and I'd say, okay, well, how much do you owe on that credit card right there? We don't know, we just, we just, we just... We're just broke. <laughs> Listen, folks, you ought to know by heart what your payment is for every one of those expenses. You ought to be able to say, here's what it is. Here's what it is. You are, if you have credit cards, and I hope you don't, but if you do, and I want to help you get out of them, but if you do, you ought to know what the balance is on that credit card. You ought to know it by heart. You say, why? Because listen, you are managing God's money. God wants to come up to you and go, how much is the balance on that credit card? You ought to say, here's how much it is. How much do you owe on that? You ought to say, God, I know I'm keeping up. I'm a good manager. I can know what's going out. Know what your payments are. It's two. Number two. Write this down. Know your income. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count what you got going out, whether he has a, what? Enough. Enough. <laughs> Say it again. A caveman can do this. A caveman can do this. What's he saying? If you want to know where you are financially, number one, you got to know how much is coming in. By the way, if you work on commission... You need to go with the lowest number. You need to buy stuff based on the lowest number. Everything else, yay, we got more. But go from the lowest number possible that you're going to get. Know what's coming in, know what's going out, and then the surplus is what you're going to live on. That's your margin. You see, when you do that, and this is what Jesus said, now you know. <laughs> hey, I got the tools to do this. Now I know I can afford to buy that house. Now I know we can afford to buy that car. Now we know we can do this, or now we know we can't do that. See, don't do anything until you sit down. It's just so simple. Can we afford this? Bring it in order so that you can know, can we afford this? By the way, doesn't our culture, again, doesn't it push us to, to the limit Go on, get out, get out. I see people with credit cards. 
my, my wife has a friend that we were with them a few weeks ago. She opened up her wallet. I never seen so many cards. It like a deck of cards in there. It was one for everywhere. She's dropping it. We were going places. But that's the way the culture pushes us, right to the edge, right to the limit of disaster. Remember that song, little 80s flashback? Take it to the limit. (laughs) Some of you are going, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's the way I call it. Don't jump on that wagon when it's going over the hill. Simplify your finances. Number three, I got to hustle. Simplify paying your bills. Simplify paying your bills. Know what's coming in, know what's going out. Simplify how how you pay your bills. How do you do that? Write this down as A, so simple, create a what? A budget. Again, a budget is a written account of all of your bills. This is my budget. This is how I do my budget. Write this down as B. Here's so simple. Every payday set aside for each monthly bill. Now, I want to take us back to the simple days, okay? Some of you are going to be able to relate to this. Because back in the day, this is how we did, our, our, this is how a lot of people paid their bills. This is how I paid mine. This is, this is before I even had a checking account. So some of you can relate to that. This is before online banking, you know, all that stuff. This is how people paid their bills. So here's what we would do. If you can relate to this, some of you are old enough, say amen. Number one, write it down. You identify and list each bill. How many of you remember doing that? Yeah. By the way, this is, this is, a, this is a budget that when Rhonda and I were getting married, the day, after, the, the day of the wedding, after the wedding was over, this old man came up to me. His name was M.C. Duncan. And he handed me a spiral-bound notebook, which is a budget like this. He said, if you follow this, you'll be able to pay your bills. You will not have anxiety. And that's what I've done. This is simply an Old type of budget. So, identify every bill. Number two, list the monthly amount due. So, I've got an, an example here for you. Um, take out this. This would be a page. So, let's take the one that says Florida Power and Light. So, if your power bill is, let's say, $200, you would write down monthly, what? $200. Now, Go back to your notes, number three. Divide each monthly payment by the frequency of your paydays. So if you get paid every week, you divide by four. Now, I know there's some months with five, five weeks, but we're trying to simplify, so bear with me. If you get paid biweekly, divide by two. If you get paid bimonthly, just simple. So here's what we would do also back in the day. So we would have it like that. And I remember this. I had an envelope for every bill. How many of you have ever had envelopes? Some of you, I can see. Yeah, you go back, we go back to the day. This is how it worked. I had an envelope for every bill that I had. So, what I would do when I got paid my paycheck, some of you can remember this, I'd go cash my check and I would get 20s, 10s, 5s, and 1s. Yeah, and then I would take the cash and I would say, okay, my first payment is I'm going I'm to give to God first. You say, why? The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits. That means give to God first of your crops. Then all your barns will be 
filled to overflowing. In other words, you're, gonna, you're asking God, you're going to give to God and say, God, I'm going to trust as I do this. But I would give to God first. So if I was going to give $1,000 to God a month, I'd put two fifty dollars in there the first week I got paid. If my mortgage was 2000 Divide by four, I'd put 500. If my house insurance was 70 or 300, I'd put 75. If my power bill was 200, I'd put 50. If my phone was 100, I'd put 25. Everybody get it? All right, if gasoline was 200, I'd put 50. If car insurance was 200, I'd put 50. If food was 1,000, I'd put 250. If credit was, had a credit card that was 100 due, I'd put 25. If I had one that was 200, I'd put 50. Now I would live off of this. And I knew I couldn't touch any of the money in the envelopes, right? Because that money's owed to somebody. That's going to pay my bills. Now, you can see what I'm going to do. Next week I get paid, now I'm going to put another fourth in there, right? So God, here's 250, 575, you get it. That's week two. Then I live off of what's left. Everybody following me? Get it? All right, what do I do? Week three, same thing, right? All of that money goes in there. I live off of what's, I'll just put it all in here on that one. I live off of what's left over, right? Then week four, I get paid. I do the same thing. But here's the deal. Week four, I got all I need to pay my bills. I'm going to live off of this. But I remember I would gather all that money together. I remember initially I would drive to the power company and pay them cash. I would go everywhere and pay cash because it was all local. Even my mortgage was local. Paid it all right there. And then I would live off. And you know what I remember? I remember it would take me about 15 minutes to put all the money in there. Now, I did graduate to a checking account. So I I remember I would put it all in there. And then I would go put it back in the bank. And then I would sit down and write the checks. And you know what, you know what was so, so good about it? It took me about 15 minutes a week to just put the money in the envelopes. And then that last week, it took me about 30 minutes to write the checks. No sweat. We knew what we had. We knew where we were. And by the way, if we had money left over, we didn't go, let's spend it. If we had credit cards, which we didn't, but if we did, you know what you would do? You would take that money and say, okay, I got this credit card and this credit card. I owe 2000 on this row, 5000 on this. Take the easiest one. And start paying on it till you pay it off. And then start on the next one. Till you pay it off and get out of debt. The Bible says you're a slave if you're in debt. Get out of slavery. Get out of debt. Simplify. Simplify. Work it till you what? Till you work it out. Simplify it. Simplify it. And then finally add this. Number four. Invest with God. Invest with God. Giving is investing. Watch this. Listen to first, or 2 Corinthians 9. The Bible says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Now, this is about generosity to God, giving to God. Watch what he says. Remember this. Whoever sows, 
sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, this is obviously an agricultural illustration, specifically about sowing seeds. And the idea is this. A farmer, when he sows a seed, is investing that seed because he's expecting a return on the seed. And the math is simple. The more seeds he sows, the more he's going to reap. The less seeds he sows, the less he's going to reap. Now watch how he applies that to God in our giving. Watch this. Each of you, if you're a believer, each one of you should give what you have decided where? In your heart to give. Not reluctantly, nor under compulsion. You ever been at a church where they just beat people to death, give, 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 and they give out of compulsion and just guilted to death? We're not going to do that. You know why? Look at the next phrase. For God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. If you can't give cheerfully, keep it. Keep it. Watch this. As you give, listen to verse 8. And God is able to, what's the next word? Bless Bless you. How bless you? Abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you what? You need. There is a promise from God about giving. So write this down as A. Give to be what? To be blessed by God. You see, a lot of times we give because we love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Sometimes the way we express that is we give to him. You want to know how much you love God? Look at your giving. Sometimes we give because we just want to be obedient. God says you should give. We want to be obedient. Sometimes we give because we want to lay up treasures in heaven. Jesus said lay up treasures not on earth but in heaven. Sometimes we give because we want to be a part of the vision that God has at Christ's fellowship. Those are all great motives and you should give because of those. But one other reason you should give is because God will bless you. God makes a promise. He says, you give, and I'll take care of your needs. This is not a get-rich scheme. This is not the TV evangelist. But there is a blessing, a law of reciprocity. God says, you give, I'll take care of you. That's a promise. But here's what you need to realize. Write this down as B. I'm almost through. Give with the trend in mind. Invest with the trend in mind. You say, what do you mean? Well, listen, any of you who invest in the stock market, you know this. You give with the long-term, or you invest with the long-term trend in mind. In other words, if you're in the stock market, you know the stock market goes up and down, up and down. You hear that on the news every day. But if you are in the stock market, you also know this. Though it's going up and down, the trend is going which way? It's going up. And so... Anybody who jumps in the stock market and they, they get in and then the stock market goes down and they pull out, when it trends back up, which it will do, they lose money because it's going to do this. Listen, the same is true with God. As you give to God, God is going to bless you. There's a promise that he's going to do that. But you just need to understand God's blessings are up and down with life. But the long-term trend, and those of you who have given for a lifetime, we know this, the trend is which way? The trend is up. But what happens to a lot of Christians is they start giving, 
And, you know, about the time they start giving, something happens and things go and they go, oh, I'm out, I'm out, I'm not giving you more. But what happens is it comes back up and God starts blessing. And it's that verse that we, we talked about earlier that in the worship. Wait on the Lord. Just be faithful. Continue to give. Wait on the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Trust God. Trust God. So what are we going to do today? What do you do? I you to write down one more thought. Determine today to simplify your finances. Don't let this just be water off the duck's back. How many of you know the story of the prodigal son? Yeah. It's a story a lot of Christians know. It's about this guy who spent all of his money. He ends up in abject poverty. And the Bible says, it's just this unique verse, it says, he came to himself. In other words, this guy, there came a moment where he said, I can't continue to go on like this. I've got to do something about my situation. That's what you need to do today. Some of you need to come to yourself. You need to say, God, here's where I am. I'm in financial trouble. And so what do you do after that? Two thoughts real quick. Number one, determine today to bring order to your finances. Financial order brings financial peace. Make up your mind to do that. By the way, we want to help you do that. We have a class at Christ Fellowship that's called Financial Peace University. Hundreds of people have been through it. Some with a lot of money, some with not much money. It doesn't matter. Nobody knows who's making what in these classes. But everybody in there is saying, I want to be a better manager of what I've got. So sign up. Campus pastors will tell you about it. And then finally, write this down as number two, determine to give to God first and trust him. So what do you do? Work it until you work it out. Everybody say, work it until you work it out. Everybody say, work it. Till you work it out. One more time, like you mean it. Work it till you work it out. Well, let me pray for you, Christ Fellowship. Then I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come forward. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you are so invested in our lives. God, that you even care about our finances. God, thank you for the way you simplify our lives on every front, even our finances. You show us simple ways to manage our money. And God, help us to remember it's not ours. We are money managers of all that you give us. So God, help us as we turn disorder into order. Because you are not a God of disorder. You are a God who wants to give us peace. Lord, I speak for all of us. We love you so much. Thanks for the way you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come forward now. I love you all, Christ Fellowship. God bless you. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org slash connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.